As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. This week's podcast is brought to you in part by Bill Taylor Enterprises. BTE is a manufacturing, design, and support company that specializes in high-performance automatic transmission assemblies and components for drag racing, off-road, marine, and street performance. Stay tuned to learn more about BTE's tune-up services. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in Sportsman Drag Racing and the stars within it. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed, where we sometimes discuss Chet Dragon. Cole Castile and Crosby, North Dakota. Big Jed, how are you, sir? <laughs> Luke, I am well. I am really well. I hope the same for you. Cole Castile, that was, uh, I like it. Throwing it we, way back, Jed. Yeah, we hadn't talked about Cole in a little while, so that was good. We need to bring it back. For Cole's had a good year. Uh, two track championships this year. Oh, well, that is a really good year. How about that? Um, big show on tap. We're actually doing something a little bit different today. Uh, we'll get to momentarily. First, we've got a couple of current event things to uh, catch up on. First, NHRA points really heating up, beginning to get some clarity. Um, this weekend, divisional at Rockingham, national event at Dallas. Uh, I wouldn't say that the championships will be settled in the majority of classes, but we'll have a lot clearer picture of what's going on. And I want to nerd out. Like, Jed, you can tell. Just my oh, tone yeah. of voice. Yeah. The rest of you. Like, I want to nerd out on this. I've really wanted to nerd out on this today. 
I'm going to nerd out on this next week. I'm going to have Kevin McKenna on the show. We're going to talk nothing but nerdy NHRA championship points. We're going to break it down going into Vegas, Vegas, Pomona. Who's got a shot? What do they got to do? So look forward to that if you're into the nerd talk next week. If you're not, just disregard next week's show. Because <laughs> this is the last time that you and I will be on the same podcast prior to the Million Dollar Race coming to Montgomery in uh, as when this airs less than two weeks um so that's exciting although i don't really know like there's been some some minor tweaks and changes to the format but nothing that i think is earth shattering i don't know that there's necessarily a whole lot to talk about pre-race obviously once the million is in the books we will weigh in with all things million who knows Corey galitti may break the internet again we'll have an emergency <laughs> podcast to go over that yeah, it'll be a good time. Obviously, uh, it's the original million, and it's always a great atmosphere and a great show. So looking forward to discussing what takes place there again. You know, it's uh, it's going to be interesting, Luke, with, with all that has preceded them this year. Um, you know, all the money that's been available to the racer. Uh, where does that put the million on everybody's radar? Uh, I'm very interested to see how it plays out this year. Do you think it's down at all? I mean, every it seems like for the last three years we've predicted that the million would be down a little bit, and every year it's as strong as ever. Yeah. Um, and with some tweaks to schedule, like obviously there are four mega, you know, quote unquote million dollar races this year. It's the fourth one on the calendar. Does that affect them? Um, there's pre-entries going on for both of the guaranteed millions next year. Does that affect them? Uh, they switched it around to where it's you can double enter, same car, same driver. What impact does that have? Uh, let's have a little fun with it, Jed. We do this for every big race just about. Uh, give me a guesstimate for number of cars in the million and give me an estimate for number of cars in the biggest, what is it this year, 30 granders? Probably Friday's 30. Yeah, so... I've been asked this quite a bit over the last, uh, actually, couple of months, and I do expect the crowd to be down a little, um, but I still expect it to be big. I, the the double entry thing is going to, it's hard to gauge the impact on that until you really just see it. Obviously, those double entries come at a, a at a pretty good clip to your checkbook, so. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I I expect the million normally falls about half of the normal or half of the, the large day's crowd. Uh, I would expect that to be a little higher this year than half. So I'm going to go 309 in the million itself, and I'm going to go 575 in the 30s. And we're... we're we're in lockstep here. We're really close. It seems like normally, I don't remember if it's in this direction or not. Normally, I'm higher than you on one, lower on the other. And I think that that, that trend continues. I'll say 331 in the million itself, 540 in the biggest 30 grander. Okay. Oh, yeah. Similar numbers. Yeah, very similar. All right. So two weeks from now, we will break that down from soup to nuts and Lord knows. I'm sure we'll, Johnny Zell will do something. Like, we'll have to talk about Johnny. So <laughs> it'll be cool. Uh, Jason Lynch will probably do something. We'll talk about oh, Jason. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be good stuff. Look forward to that. Uh, again, Kevin McKenna next week, Million Dollar Recap the following week. Um, the other uh, news and note that I thought was worth mentioning um, before we get into the, the main topic of today's show 
Great American guaranteed million dollar race entries went on sale last Friday. Uh, it didn't. I, I, my original uh, prediction was it would sell out in minutes, right? Like we've seen at some of the other big races. That didn't happen, but they did break the internet. That probably hurt them a little bit. Uh, they had to shut down the site for a little while. Um, but at last check, I texted with Britt uh, this morning, and they had 320 plus entries out of what is it, a 450 entry max? Yes. So we're basically, what's that? Quick math, a little over three quarters of the way full. I would say for an event that's still seven months on the horizon, uh, that's pretty strong. And I think I've mentioned this on the show, but Britt made sure to reiterate to me, like if anybody is in doubt, this race is going to happen, whether they've got 250 entries or 450 entries. Um, so it, it looks like it is moving in the right direction, uh, over three quarters of the way full. And when you're asking people for $3,000, 320 entries, sounds pretty good in what, four or five days. Yeah, I think it was a really good initial response, uh, definitely on its way to filling up. So um, while there seemingly is still a lot of spots left, it won't take long once those spots start dropping off of the, the availability scale, Luke. It, it won't take long for some of that panic to set in and, and people will fill it up in a hurry. So I think there are about 50 to 60 entries from really just blowing it wide open and and getting those last 60 or so so uh, if you're interested in going to that race don't wait too much longer because it's not going to hang out too long that's actually a good point because when that hits the 400 mark i think scarcity really kicks in and that fomo that fear of missing out kicks in you're like oh wow yeah. it's, it's 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 this is real it's going to happen you know what i mean like that feeling yeah. and people are like oh i got it i can't miss that so yeah, yeah i agree with you they're probably not uh, far from filling that up once it gets to that point. Um, all right. So from there, Jed, let's transition into a topic that we've had on the docket probably for mm, most of the season, let's say eight plus months. Probably. And something happens, like whether it be Jerry Emmons getting disqualified or Johnny Zell breaking his car in half or what's the other hop? We had something else we had to just go way down a rabbit hole on, right? Uh, Casey Pesnell. Yeah, yeah, 14-year-old wins 50 grand. You know, <laughs> something like that happens, and we have to kind of reevaluate what it is we're talking about. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to do here, and keep in mind, this is going to be a fun conversation, I think, Judd, but <laughs> we're opening ourselves up because this is one of those things that is completely subjective, and I would venture to guess that no one listening is going to going to agree with us 100%. And we're going to be idiots, which is fine. We're used to that, and I'm used to that. Um, but what we're going to break down today is essentially the top 25 sportsman drag racers, sportsman drivers of all time. And I would say there's a ton of different ways that you could weight that and categorize that. We're going to go through our thought processes and share some of who we think are the standout drivers of this sport, um, for as long as bracket racing's been a thing, which traces back now, what, like 50-ish years? I'll be real honest with Jed. I go back maybe 30. Beyond that, it not only does it get real fuzzy, like I wasn't around, and, and it's not as well documented. Like, it's hard to figure out what happened in the 80s. Bracket oh, racing. extremely difficult. Yeah. You, you cannot research this this list very well it's possible <laughs> and that's and that's part of why we wanted to do this is to to document and granted it's just our thoughts right but i just think 
30 years from now, it'll probably be different because things are so well tracked and via the internet and there is more eyeballs on specifically big dollar bracket racing and I think sportsman drag racing in general. But you go back, this is a difficult list to compile. And I think you'll see, Jed, at least from from my rankings, um, a, a bit of a a recency bias, a bit of an age bias, because like, I just don't know. I don't know. I've heard stories from the seventies and eighties, but I didn't see it in person. And I don't know how you would rank that against today's performers, you know? Um, but we'll get deeper into that, um, as we go and and explain a little bit of our individual criteria. Um, but first, before we jump into that big Jed, let's jump into this week's BTE. Who's hot. He's on fire. It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. BTE staff is selected directly from the racing community. From sales to manufacturing, each member of their staff is a performance enthusiast. With multiple world championships and number one qualifiers, they offer expert professional technical advice for your racing operation. See our staff directory. Our commitment to your success is part of our own. So, Luke, we have a very hot driver right now in a category that I'm not sure we have had a who's hot nominee because of the difficulty of the class it is it's a very fast moving class and it's hard to get a dominant performance in this category just simply because of all of the the things that you have to consider, you know, racing surfaces, the weather changes, and that's the same with every class, but in this class, it, it really has a major impact on it. And that is the top dragster category where we find this week's BT who's hot. Won't you tell us about him? Yeah, that's a good point. It's not often that you see domination really in either of the fast bracket classes, whether it's top sportsman or top dragster since late August. We've seen domination in top dragster. And this is a who's hot that we probably could have given away at any point over the course of the last six weeks. It goes to the one, the only, Wild Willie, Danny Nelson, the Rock and Roll Express himself. Danny's been doing this for a long, long time at a high, high level. But I don't know, like maybe back in the day, because Danny has won a lot. (laughs) So maybe he's got a run that, that rivals this, but not in my memory. Okay, Danny started this thing at the Bowling Green Points meet, which is the last week in August. He won there. Uh, He went to Indy and had a hiccup. He lost in the semifinals. Bad weekend. At least (laughs) in the frame of reference that we're looking at, because he followed that up with the Makeup National event at Norwalk, which he won. Then went to Columbus for the JEG Sports Nationals, which... He won, then went to St. Louis for the NHRA Division Three Lucas Oil Series event, which he won. If you're keeping score at home, that is four, count them four, event wins in his last five, count them five, appearances. Top Dragster is a 32-car qualified field. That means five rounds per race. So some quick math, the last 24 times that Danny Nelson has staged in NHRA Top Dragster competition, he has seen 23 win lights. That, if I have ever seen anything worthy of the BTE who's hot, that's it. And better yet from this, this run puts Danny right now in the lead 
in, for the Top Dragster World Championship. Now, it is a dogfight, and they keep throwing haymakers back and forth. It's either going to be Danny Nelson or Jeff Strickland. Again, Kevin McKenna and I will discuss this and break it down in depth next week. But Danny's got a real shot at this, which is, if you had told me that, Jed, in late August, prior to coming to Bowling Green, I would have said, wait, Danny Nelson's going to have a shot to win the World Championship? Because we were actually just looking at his points ledger. We just said four wins in his last five races, the one non-win, a semifinal at the U.S. Nationals. His season prior to that, he'd been to seven NHRA top dragster competitions. He advanced out of round two once. So if you're having a rough year, it could turn. Look at what Danny Nelson's doing. Yeah, and kudos to Danny for, for even continuing to, to fight on and, and oh, yeah. attend those events. That uh, that takes confidence in yourself and, and your program to even continue when the results through the first seven events haven't gone very well. So good for you, Danny. And he's done all that while uh, maintaining his uh, excellent race car shop building those uh willie nelson dragsters and um probably if i know danny well enough has uh, hit a poker game or two along the way and, and done fairly well so maintaining a lot of stuff and still doing quite well in the category good for you danny and congratulations on being this week's bte who's hot in reference to that big jed there danny has one divisional event left to claim for his points ledger there are two divisional events left on the nhra schedule and if you are wondering whether danny nelson is going to rockingham north carolina or las vegas nevada then you do not know Danny. <laughs> yeah not uh, not the kind of poker he's looking for in rockingham so uh and i would imagine from arkansas it's probably about the same trip either way luke so why not go to vegas by all means, I would go to Vegas if that was my choice. But I don't like rocking it. So, Okay, so back to this um, massive task at hand, Jed. Now, longtime listeners will remember that Mark actually just brought this up while we were on break. I believe it was early 2018. We actually put out a poll, like ranking, so to speak, of the top drivers right now today. That was a little bit different than what we're doing here at the time. A, it was more than just you and I, Jed. Like, we reached out and created a pretty distinguished panel that voted on, like, basically a in-the-moment top 25. Like, who are the racers that you would least want to face today? And we did a separate poll for top bulb and bottom bulb bracket racers. But again, that was more of, like, who do you think is literally the best right now? What we're doing today is a little bit different because this is top 25 of all time. So to me, this isn't, quite as in the moment this really doesn't to me this isn't a measure of like who would you least want to see in the other lane tomorrow it is when you look back on a full body of work a career who's had the most impressive careers in sportsman drag racing and as you and i mentioned Ted, there's a lot of different ways that you could quantify this and stack it up like there's no set criteria obviously there's a ton of subjectivity interested and this will be fun because we've been really secretive about this i have not shared my my list in, with you you have not shared your list with me interested to hear first jed what are some of the criteria that you used in trying to determine who would appear in your top 25 well that's a good question luke obviously was looking for longevity someone that has done it over multiple decades and done it well looking for 
someone with versatility that I, I thought uh, has accomplished a lot in many different types of vehicles and categories and looking for someone that is possibly still very competitive that started, you know, a couple of two or three decades ago. I thought that was an important thing as well. So, you know, I struggled with, so NHRA, IHRA, sportsman racing accomplishments versus big time bracket racing accomplishments. What's more important, you know, and I don't know that I've got a good mix of that, but that was one of the things that challenged me greatly when I was putting my list together. Yeah, I think as like Americans, I think we're kind of obsessed with lists. Like in the big picture, I don't know that any of this really matters other than I remember growing up and thinking like, Scotty Richardson's the best racer I've ever seen. No, wait, David Rampey's the best racer. No, that Peter Biondo is really good. And I was always was a constant iteration of ranking like the Mount Everest, right? So that was fun to go back and revisit that. And to your point, I largely tried to base my criteria a lot along the same lines that you did in terms of I wanted a full body of work. So to me, any five-year stretch, whether that's the last five years or 20 years ago, like that wasn't as important to me as the full body of work, you know, like two decades of, of racing. So there aren't a lot of young names that appear in my top 10, certainly. And to your point too, versatility is really, really big to me. So when trying to rank things specifically at the top, I'm looking for racers that have won eighth mile races and quarter mile races, that have won pro tree, full tree, that have won top ball, bottom ball, like that have kind of proven that they can do it all. And that ultimately gets down to, well, obviously a list like this is subjective. Like this isn't really at all. For me, this was really difficult to quantify in terms of like I may have used as a tiebreaker, Like, I just think this dude is a more impressive racer than this one. But by and large, I tried to rank these strictly based on accomplishment, because I think when you can do look over a full body of work, it's really accomplishments that tend to separate. So with that in mind, and and I'll be at the first to meet you, Jed, I don't know exactly how you do this. Like, I don't have a one through 25, right? I didn't go that in depth. I've got what I think are a top 10, and I don't really even necessarily have an order outside of the first few. But I have a top 10 that I, I think, now granted, I'll probably have thousands of listeners that will tell me how wrong I am. I have a top 10 that I think is really, really difficult to argue with. You could put in maybe a different order than, than I will. Beyond that, like I don't necessarily even have 25 names. I figured we would get there in the course of conversation. What have you put together? Yeah, same way. Uh, I, I do not have uh, 25 names listed in order. I've got really focused on a solid top 10. And then from there, I, you know, it's like ranking college football or college basketball. It, 10, 11 through 25 is probably all the same accomplishment level, talent level. So I didn't bother just scratching down a whole bunch of names. I, I really focused on a top 10. Yeah, that's I'm similar here. And I've got like, I don't even have a one-two. Like, it's a one and one-A. I assume that you're going to be the same way. Most people of our generation are probably similar in that regard. And then I've got a three through nine that, to me, is really cut and dry, and you could invert, and I wouldn't argue with it. And to me, there's even one that stands out as a tenth right now. And then beyond that, like, you could take 11 through probably 40 and flip them all around, and I'd have a hard time arguing with it. Like, you're just really, really splitting hairs. So 
with that in mind, should we just start at the top? Like, who's who's your number one? Like, I guess we should tease that, but at the end of this episode. But let's be honest. Like, you've been on here for like 15 minutes. We'll go ahead and whatever. You could, right? <laughs> do we do we want to start at one or ten? Okay, we can start at ten. Who you got at number ten? Because my number ten is not going to show up on your list, and and, and he's deserving okay. of any top ten list. If we're basing it on accomplishment and, and again, the things that were important to me and what I listed, Butch Weinrich is number 10 on my list. Okay. I tried to get some time to go back and listen to the show, the episode we had Brett Kepner on, and remember you know, yeah, yeah. Remember the number that he said. But I, I, it's like a thousand it was. documented wins. A thousand, Luke. That guy has to make number. top 10. That's an unbelievable number. So okay. Butch Weinrich is my number ten. Okay, I like it. I like it. Um, not again, like you had, like you had suggested, didn't appear in my top ten. But again, I've got some recency bias going. I didn't go back that far. I have a hard time arguing with that. All right. So Butch Weinrich, Jed's number ten. Again, for me, I had no problem coming up with my top nine. Again, in my mind, at least pretty cut and dry 10th i struggled with a little bit and i plugged in a different couple of different names but when i started weighing one against the other uh, to me this becomes a little bit cut and dry too my number 10 and it's in again in my mind not that close and this is i think by far the youngest name on my list my number 10 is justin lamb justin's in his early 30s but five nhra world championships to date national event wins and i believe six different categories fair amount of success in big dollar bracket racing the little bit that he gets to do it from where he's from and i just feel like he's one he's probably the only one in the current generation that has a shot 20 years from now 10 years from now maybe we could say i think legitimately say i think it's it's very much in the conversation that 10 years from now we say justin lamb's the best that's ever done this 2019 i'd put him 10th definitely worthy of anybody's top 10 and especially at the, the age that he's at and Definitely was somebody that's right outside of my top 10, but somebody I could see being in the, the top five easily, you know, in another decade, if he just continues to, to go after these points championships or, you know, whatever, but he's going to accomplish a lot in our sport and already has. Now, do you want to go through these one by one, Big Jet, or do you want to do like nine through five here? How do you want to go about this? Because like I said, to me, like my three through nine... They're all awesome, but to me, they're kind of interchangeable. Like I don't, I, I can rank them specifically if you need me to. But I, like, if you said that my nine should be three, I'd be like, yeah, probably, okay. So yeah, no, nine through five would be nine through five or, or nine to six. That's that's okay. four more. So nine to six, I think would would fit. And again, I don't know where this guy. And I'm gonna look like such a homer here when this list is over, as I always do. But you just got well tied. Fits where he fits in most people's list, but big nasty Kyle Seipel gets my number nine. You know, he has accomplished, he's somewhat overshadowed by his partner and what he's accomplished in the world of drag racing. But anybody that was, would take the time to look up Kyle Seipel's history in our sport, will see a guy that has accomplished way more than most will ever dream of what's important to you. That's debatable, but Bracket division championships, competing on a high level in HRA, at NHRA events for quite some time and starting to, to get back into that and do it 
as he can. So Kyle, with, with everything he's accomplished, got my number nine spot. I, I guess we're going to have to go one or two. Yeah, go ahead. I'll weigh back in on Kyle. Give me eight through six. Okay. Number eight is Troy Williams Jr. for me. Again, a guy that's won world championships on the um, IHRA side of things. Obviously, million-dollar wins, big buck bracket wins. Uh, Troy, very, very, very accomplished. So uh, I slid him into the number eight spot. Luke, I actually have a tie for number seven. I know that was not allowed or discussed, but uh, I've actually got 11 top 10 racers. I would never expect you to straddle the fence, Jed. Okay. I was going to say, you know me well enough to know that that's, I, I can make sense <laughs> out of that. So, uh, tie for number seven is the King, Edmund Richardson, and yourself. I've got you guys uh, tied for seven. Obviously, the King been doing it quite a few years longer than you, but uh, I feel like he's accomplished a ton in our sport. But, uh, and although I know he's still a great, great racer, I feel like his best days uh, are in the past a little bit. Um, not that his good, not that he doesn't have good days ahead, but his best days are in the past. While you've been doing it quite a while, and I feel like your skills are as good or better than they've ever been, and, and I can see you remaining competitive. So I put you guys tied for seven. And this will shock probably a lot of people that he didn't fit higher on the list. Again, could very well be higher, but I put Scotty in the number six slot uh, for me. Again, a guy that has accomplished way more than people even dream about. Not that you hope for, that you dream about uh, Scotty with world championships and huge bracket wins. But there's probably an accolade or two that Scotty hasn't accomplished that I just left him in the number six position. So that is my nine slash nine and a half through six. Whoa. Okay. Wow. Okay. I got to process that a little bit because first off, I didn't expect to appear in anybody's top 10. I don't have myself in the top 10. I'm not sure I'd have myself in the top 25. I tried to do the rank just based on accomplishments and i guess you could make an argument there but that seems way too high when you mentioned me in the same breath as Evan richardson like thank you and then scotty richardson is sixth okay i'm gonna i'm gonna try i'm gonna we'll go down that road later because he's much further down my list wow okay and he, he could be in the number one spot i get that yeah, no, I'm interested to, to, to hear your logic behind it because obviously there's no wrong answers. And that's why I wanted to do this because I'm looking at my top 10 and be like, nobody can argue with this. And now I'm realizing like everybody's going to argue with this. Kyle Seipel, I mentioned in the intro that there's really no way to rank this outside of pure accomplishment. And if you go in pure accomplishment, I have to agree with you. I think Seipel has to be in the top 10. Like there's, it's 20-something division championships, 20-something. I mean, that's just yeah, ridiculous. Right, Luke. I think twelve to fourteen of those, or something, was in a row. Like, I mean, it's like, yeah. How can like, somebody dominate that? It wasn't a short time period. I mean, like, I think the vast majority. I think he's won twenty-seven Division Seven championships, huh. and I think the vast majority of them were within like a ten or twelve-year span. I mean, it was just multiple championships year after year after year after year. With that said. Kyle, I had my top 10, and then I had a list of guys that I'm like, these would definitely be in my top 25. And I, I had, that list was only five or six racers long, and so that's only 16. I get that, right? I figured you would chip in. Like, I didn't have Butch Weinrich, and he's top 25. 
I had Seipel on that just outside the top 10 list for the simple reason being that as impressive as a comforters are, it's never a world championship, A. And B, he'll be the first to tell you this in candid conversation. Like, he dominated, but he dominated at a time where he was he and his dad were like into it and were able to take advantage of advances in technology that maybe nobody else had which is probably true for anybody that won in that era and that all gets a little bit jaded but to me i don't say that like knocks the shine off of it all because 20 something division championships is unbelievably impressive but for me that when you've got this caliber eraser top 10 i personally would put Kyle just outside of this but i think you're extreme i think it's very fair to have him in your top 10 troy williams jr was a little bit higher on my list. I've actually got him in my top five. If I had to rank, I just, I guess say my three through nine is all pretty similar, but if I had to rank him, I'd put Troy like fifth all time. Don't have much that you were splitting hairs there between five and eight. Edmund, you had at seven. I'd probably have it four. Scotty, you have at six. He's my one or one A. And we'll get to that a little bit further. My personal, this would be six through nine. And again, this isn't necessarily in a specific order. I would have... Kenny Underwood, obviously most known recently for the amazing 2018 season that he had. But that dude has been racing at a high, high level for a long, long time. One of the pioneers of big dollar bracket racing. Numerous titles at Moroso back in the day. Numerous titles along the B&M series. If there is a big dollar bracket race anywhere across the country, Kenny Underwood has won it at some time. When we had him on, he talked about, you know, he's won the million dollar race twice. He's also a semifinalist at the first ever million. I don't think he's ever missed one. He got an IHRA World Championship to go along with that. Back when he was running Bertozzi's car in 1090. The, like I say, I stress versatility. I've never really seen Kenny hit the bottom. I assume he could figure it out. That'd be the one knock on him where he wouldn't be high. That's the only reason he wouldn't be higher in my top 10. I'd go Gary Williams, another two-time million-dollar race winner. Done a, dabbled a little bit on the NHRA side. Has a couple, I think, NHRA Super Comp wins, but is the ultimate high-stakes bracket racer of our time. Not only has he won two millions, I mean, he, he's been through recently. It's starting to catch up with him. I think he's runnered up three in a row. 30 plus thousand dollar to win races but there was a time troy talked about this on our podcast where he was like 13 and 0 and final rounds of thirty thousand dollars or more or some ridiculous number like that yeah, i think like it was nine and oh at the time yeah yeah a lot and none right yeah so a high stakes player and i think that really stands out for me um so that's two of my let's just just say they're eight and nine for the sake of argument and my other two that would fall in that six to ten range dan fletcher and david rampey kind of cut from the same ilk been hard at the NHRA scene for as long as any of us can remember both now exceeded the century mark in terms of national event wins both multiple time world champions I know that a lot of people would would a lot of sportsmen slash bracket racers would discount some of Rampy's accomplishments because so much of it has come in competition eliminator but you just got an again the whole body of work David Rampey won a couple of IHRA World Championships in 990 and 1090. He's won in every category. He ran pro stock for a while. Yes, he's won a lot in comp, but he was a high-stakes bracket racer long before that. Dude can get in anything and do it. If competition eliminator was never a thing, I don't know that he'd have won 100 races, but I bet he'd have won 75 or 80. 
in whatever class. Like the dude's just one of the best of all time. And same with Fletcher. I mean, you can't argue with Fletcher and he's done it. He's won a day at Moroso. He's won big dollar races on the bottom, on the top. He's won in, I think every sportsman category. Now he's trying to get one in top dragster plus a hundred national event wins. Like he's a no brainer top 10 in my book. So now we get down to the good stuff, big Chad. Yeah. Uh, what are we going five, five through two? Uh, yeah. How and you want to go? Really good names there and, and good justification. And I've got Dan Fletcher in the number five position. Obviously, for all the, the things you just mentioned and said, and, and the you know the amount of time he's been doing it, still very impressive. You know, obviously over a hundred national event wins. It's just very, very, very impressive when you think about all that's involved in collecting a hundred plus of those trophies. It's it's pretty amazing. Uh, not to mention, obviously, his abilities in other categories in bracket racing, too. So Dan got my number five spot. I actually have uh, Anthony Bertozzi in the number four position. When you think about the things that he's accomplished, uh, again, as you talked about, just uh, really an amazing talent. And, and the, the amount of championships and, and event wins that he's had where he's had to have his versatility on display uh, hitting the top and the bottom at the same event. You know, we've talked about that transition many times on the show as we've talked about uh, double-up winners, how different the mindset is to, to get in that super stalker and then let go in your top dragster or, uh, I guess, quick rod or super rod car, whatever he might have ran back in the day. But, again, just somebody that I thought has shown amazing talent for a long, long time. So Anthony got the number four position. I actually put David Rampey in the number three position. Again, you start talking about 100 national event wins, but David has been doing it. Luke, I'm trying to remember the story about the the super gas when he first got started on the the NHRA side of things, but, you know, it was, I don't know, mid-80s, somewhere along in there maybe. That's a long time, brother. That's... (laughs) I mean, you're talking about a guy that is competitive and winning, and I wouldn't want to stage against him right now. And he's he's been doing this for at least three and a half decades, maybe longer. So I've been doing it very competitively. And uh, I put him in the number three spot. I put Gary Williams in the number two spot. You can't say enough about Gary and what he's accomplished. And again, a guy that you don't see hit the bottom very often, but I have seen him do it, and he is super competitive. Gary just figures out a way to win. I mean, you really could put him in anything at the racetrack, and he seems comfortable in it, and he seems confident in it, and he goes out and wins. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's an extended cab S10 truck that, you know, he's just playing around in and uh, winning on the big scene. If it's, a you know, a dragster, if it's a, a door car that somebody's had sitting at the house for, few months or years and he'd take it and you know dress it up take it to the racetrack and win in it the guy's just super versatile to me so i put him in the number two spot uh, not only because that versatility but what he's accomplished with it (sighs) okay all right so i i I think it's obvious then where you're going with number one do you want to wait and do our ones together or do you want to go now i mean it is obvious i can't separate my tremendous admiration for this guy from where he might fit on anybody's list. I know how capable Peter Biondo is. We've all seen it. 
multiple, multiple world championships in different categories. One, look how many, is he one in seven categories or six? I, you, you'll know that, but I should have known that as I put him number one on the list. Give me a second. Let me list him. I think it's seven, but don't give me the lion. I'll, I'll weigh back in. Give me 10 seconds. Yeah, so obviously uh, Peter, has, his life has changed quite a bit these days. He doesn't get as many opportunities to get out and race, you know, raising children and promoting uh, great racing series and helping run the family business. But it's amazing to me when he still gets out and does it, how competitive he is. He just, he's always in the mix. And Peter just, I don't know, I know he does, but I don't see him as I look at his results. I just don't see him make bad runs. It's its amazing to me, his ability to go out and make good runs and make you beat him. He truly does it in my mind 99.9% of the time. He might slip up from time to time and miss it. Everybody does. But just a guy that I still think is as good as anybody at the racetrack and has been for at least a couple of decades, if not longer. So, and, you know, again, a tremendous amount of admiration for him and what he's accomplished in our sport, both on the racetrack and off. A great businessman, great family man. And um, I... I, there was no way I could put him anywhere but number one. Okay. Uh, following up on that previous conversation, it is six. Had he won top drag straight at the U.S. Nationals, which we I think we all deserve, I'll agree that he probably drove better than anyone in the field, but finished runner-up, that would have been number seven. He's got wins in comp, super stock, stock, super comp, super gas, super street. And seven in HRI World Championships? I think that's right. Yeah, uh, and I thought it was seven categories that he had won in, but now I I do remember that was him trying to get to number seven with the top dragster win. Yeah, so I said that I had a top ten that I thought would be hard to argue with, and and this is just uh, confirmation bias. Our nine and ten, we vary. I had Kenny Underwood, Justin Lamb, you had Kyle Seipel, Butch Weinrich. Our top eight, all the same, just in different order. So that makes me feel better. I don't, still don't know that that's necessarily right, but I like it when I get the confirmation bias. <laughs> I basically shared the majority of my top five earlier because they fell into you, the second half of your top ten. Again, like the rankings three to nine here, you could flip around on me, but if I had to rank them specifically, and keep in mind I didn't give this much thought to the difference between them, I would put Troy Williams Jr. number five, Edmund Richardson number four, Anthony Bertozzi, number three, like you said, I think it's 19. Is it 19? 17? I knew it was in the teens. Yeah. Let's just say 17. I don't know if that's right. 19 sounds better. We'll go with 19. 19 <laughs> world championships can't be wrong. No. Okay. All but one of those on the IHRA side, mostly in modified. He won some in super stock. Anthony Bertozzi is just a beast. And he still dabbles occasionally on the big dollar bracket scene, still has success every now and then. But back in the IHRA days and prior to the IHRA days, that dude was a monster on the bracket scene. I watched him with my own eyes probably make the most impressive string of five runs I've ever seen. You remember the old Millennium Million at Rockingham? I oh, love yeah. to tell this story. Can I, I, it's story time. I got to break this out because sure. I'm like 17 years old. 
I've read about Anthony Bertozzi my whole life. I get there. I'm like, whoa, Anthony Bertozzi's here. And I mean, I, there's a hundred racers there that I'm just in awe of. But I remember going over and looking at Anthony's car and being so disappointed because this thing had, like, it was his modified car that, like, he stuck a delay box in it with Velcro to the dash. This thing had a points distributor. It had this four digit delay box. This is like 1999. You know, I mean, we didn't have what we got today, but we had stuff way far advanced than that, right? And I'm like, what? And this guy wins, you know? And then I watch, and I was I had lost early in the million. I'm sitting on the in the step, the Troy Williams Jr.'s trailer, and Anthony and Peter are parked the next trailer over. And Anthony had gone through a stretch. This was coming into the semifinals, where the previous four rounds, I don't remember the order, but he had been triple zero twice and double one twice, like one perfect, perfect one, or perfect one, one perfect, whatever the case was, right? Four rounds. Yeah. No bump down. Like I, I think he had a crossover box. It's not like he had a calculator, but like no tricks, right? And I, but I'm thinking, wow, that's really impressive. But I'm thinking he's just like me, and he was perfect, and he put five thou in, and he come up one, and he put three thou in, he come up perfect. You know what I mean? It's just falling into place for him. I'm sitting there while the trailer, and I can hear Peter from two trailers over screaming, Anthony, put a thou in, one thou just for me. Put a thou in. And I'm like, what? And and it goes on. They talk long enough that it's pretty obvious that he ain't touched the box in four rounds. And I'm like, no way. And then I just kind of like peek around the trailer so I can hear the conversation. And Anthony just looks him dead in the eye and says, Pete, it's the million-dollar race. I'm going to be perfect, and I'm going to win. And he gets in his car. And at four cars beside Jonathan Clay, he's one that red. No. True story. But oh, that, that is Anthony Bertozzi in a nutshell. Like, that dude don't back down from nothing. Sets up more aggressive, whether it's top bulb, bottom bulb, than anybody I've ever seen. Ain't a bit afraid to go red, but if he drives by green, you got your hands full. <laughs> yeah, that but, is true. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. I've got Anthony number three. And then for me... You had a tie at seven. <laughs> I don't. I hate to straddle the fence, but I have been like this for as long as I can remember. To me, it's not even one and two. And even to this day, I really can't make a, a solid like call between them. It's one and one A for me. It's Peter Biondo and Scotty Richardson. And you could go like from an accomplished accomplishment standpoint, they've both won everything under the sun. Peter has had more success on the NHRA tour and has really stuck with the NHRA tour longer than Scotty did. Scotty had immense success back early nineties, basically throughout that decade and has just dabbled in NHRA since uh, I think he's got four world championships. Peter has seven. Peter's won in more categories. Peter's won more national events, I believe than Scotty. I think it's fair to say that while they've both won tremendously on the big dollar bracket scene, Scotty's amassed more victories in big dollar bracket racing than Peter has. And to me, those kind of offset. And I think we've talked about this before in the podcast, if it goes back, like pure accomplishments, I think it's really difficult to give one the edge over the other. Like you could say, well, Peter's got two more world championships and variety of classes. You know, firsthand, Scotty won two foot brake races that paid 50 grand. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and you just go through the, I just watched him dominate, dominate the B&M series for, it's seemingly a decade. I mean, just, it was unstoppable. And I know it, it was when I was coming up, 
it this literally I always had my Mount Everest like we talked about earlier and it was literally week to week I'd go to a race where Scotty was at and be like that dude is unbelievable I've, he's the best it's ever been and then the next week I'd go to Atco for the quarter mile races and we'll just watch Peter do what Peter does and win everything they had and be like no wait that dude's the best it's ever done and just back and forth right and I'm still kind of like that to this day like I really have a difficult time deciding like picking one between the two and <laughs> I think I've gone down this road on the podcast before too. If you break away from accomplishments and just go like pure ability and who would you not want to run? Like nobody in the right mind wants to run either one of them. But I kind of break it down like this because to me, as dominant as they both have been, their skill sets are not like widely different, but different in that if this was a contest of say, like you're just going to roll out in any old car, just clunker that won't run two and nothing and i don't mean to take this away from peter because i've i've driven behind him and seen some of the equipment that he's made look like it was the best stuff on earth and be like whoa this thing's a little shaky right but i would think by and large if you've got a car that you don't know what the hell it's going to run i would rather have scotty in that car than peter i just think like natural talent wise scotty's got something that nobody else has but if you give them relatively uh, equally equipped cars that are pretty dialable, like I think Peter's just more cerebral and he's going to like figure out better how to make a good run in a car that he can kind of count on and like better with weather prediction. I, in my mind, like trickier with strategy, like I would give him the edge. So like if it's just pure natural talent, I think Scotty's got the edge. If it's more, of putting the pieces together and and like taking a cerebral approach i don't think anybody's better than peter and again like you get down to trying to disseminate between the two and it's splitting hairs like i've never been able to do it so i'll straddle the fence again and say to me they're one and one a i can't really pick between them but you're pretty similar top 10 all the way down yeah um and obviously well, where i ranked scotty uh, is no reflection of his talent level i mean the guy's unfortunately witnessed it firsthand from the other lane way too many times uh, how talented he is and actually our first encounter was uh the early b&m days i'd won the the 2003 championship on the bottom and uh 2004 first race at montgomery like it always was i guess late february i'm hanging out up there in the front of the line in the right lane waiting on uh, an opponent and you know, you don't get so much of this anymore from anybody because really nobody cares who they're racing anymore. They just pull in the lanes and get after it because everybody's so good and their equipment's so good. But I was not getting an opponent. There was a option for multiple lanes. You can you can say it, Jed. Wouldn't nobody pull down on you? Well, somebody would because they did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wasn't getting an opponent for, for a little bit there. And there was uh, starting to, like two other lanes were starting to stack up pretty good, a right and a left, and I'm sitting in the right by myself with some behind me. Well, a little Cavalier come around the corner and uh, didn't really care to sit in the, the left lane that had gotten kind of long. There was one kind of empty. So he rolled up, and the first thing he said when he got out of the car is, I ain't scared, just so you know. <laughs> I thought, you know, I mean... Now here I am thinking I'm, you know, a BA and nobody wants to race me. And then here comes Scotty. And now he's just totally flipped the, the script on me. <laughs> I'm the one that's intimidated and don't want to race him. And, and then he showed me why he wasn't scared. I, I made a, 
I made a pretty good lap. It was like teen and maybe mid to high dead on for that time period in foot brake car. It was a it was a pretty mean lap, and I think I got six or seven change from him. So um, you know, definitely again a guy that that I could see how anybody could rank number one with what he's accomplished and the talent that he's shown over the years and no real reason why I didn't have him there, but those guys, you know, with hundred national event wins and multiple million dollar wins and those things, I, I don't know. It just, it, it seemed to, to have a, a, a bigger impact on me. So I put them where I put them, but. No, I can, I can, I can see that argument. Like you put, I mean, the guys you put in front of are Ben Fletcher, Anthony Bertozzi, David Rampey, Gary Williams. Like, I'm not going to argue with that. I think part of me is biased from being so close to that for so long and just how dominant Scotty was. And I know that he's still got that in him. To your point, you made a really good point about Peter and how impressive it is that he just seemingly never makes bad runs. And particularly recently, like, I'll see Scotty occasionally make a bad run. But I would also argue with that is that like right now today scotty still races more than peter like eventually he'd screw up somewhere i think exactly you know yeah. What I mean? so yeah if you make as many laps as scotty makes you're gonna make a bad run no matter who you right. are i agree with that so okay so our top tens are, are actually i think surprisingly similar we went in saying that we didn't necessarily fill out a top 25 but in the course of this conversation and maybe in in um you know, a little bit of research leading up to it. What are some of the names that, you know, we don't necessarily have to rank them, but would fall, although outside of your top 10, you would definitely include in the conversation at least for top 25? Well, you've mentioned some of them already, so I won't uh, go back over those. But, you know, guys like uh, John LaBeouf Sr., uh, again, a guy that's got a million-dollar win under his belt and Luke won races for 40 years. Yeah, uh, was okay. probably at the very first big dollar bracket race, what could be considered big dollar bracket race, and has since just about give it up. I guess I actually heard that the loose caboose was for sale. I heard that rumor too. That's hard to believe. With the ramp truck, but you know, a guy that ran the same equipment for God thirty years mm-hmm. and, and still won with it thirty years later, and still won with it. Just mm-hmm. a, a guy, a pioneer in our sport, really. So he's uh, so, he's on my list as well, as is. Uh, Little John. I would have Little John, uh, John LaBeouf Jr. in my top 25 as well. Definitely going to say that as well. George Rupert. Yep, uh, I had him. That's a guy that uh, has accomplished way more than and than people today know. They didn't. Get, they think he just builds carburetors, but this was a championship drag racer for a long, long time. I've got a guy on my list that probably not many people would put on their list because he's been out of sight, out of mind for a little while, but Chip Horton. A man that won, again, I should have looked it up, but I think Chip's got over 700 wins to his credit. And the man has done it foot-breaking with one leg. And I'm not talking about a prosthetic on the other side. There was none on the other side. He he foot-braked, he he built up on the converter and bumped it in with one foot. And won god knows how many championships and an event wins so chip horton to me is a legend in our sport and a guy deserving of any top 25 list one uh of similar ilk and of that time area that i actually was surprised jed that i considered him for my top 10 i thought he would appear in yours 
uh, one Steve Taylor. Yes, Steve Taylor, uh, very impressive guy. Yeah, that, that's that's a good point. Uh, you know, top ten would would have been hard for me with anybody that primarily bottom bulbs. True. At bracket racer, because they just it's hard to get the accomplishments that is available to these other racers that made the list. But but I think he's a top twenty fiver. Yeah, yeah, Steve. Steve could get in anything and race it, and obviously had some super stock accomplishments way before he was known for the guy that rolled in in Cavaliers, but was a progressive thinker too, Luke. Yes, no doubt. Talent. Was ahead of his time. We all made fun of him for things that now kind of make sense <laughs> yeah, in no large part. So he was, he was very much ahead of his time and probably not uh, as recognized and respected for it in his day. I'll steal your thunder because I know this one's on your list. If we're going to extend this to 25, I think Ricky Jones has to be on the list. Ricky Jones was in my top 25 for sure. And he's another one like there. If, I, I said that for me, a caveat was versatility. And that'd be the one thing I don't know that Ricky lacks, but I don't know that I've ever seen Ricky win a race outside of his 84 yellow IROC Camaro. Like that's the <laughs> car that has been synonymous with. It's been a top bulb bracket race, eighth mile in that car. And you give him that and all bets are off. Like he's one of the best of all time. He's won the million dollar race. Or I'm sorry, he's won the millennium million, runnered up the million dollar race. Numerous success in the BNM series. But like I say, if a caveat for me is versatility, that'd probably be the only reason that I wouldn't have Ricky in my top 10. But I, to me, he's lock for a top 25. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. You know, and, and as you start getting some of those names behind us, it gets kind of muddy from there. Um, and, you know, I, like I said, I didn't go scratch down a bunch more names. Uh, they actually didn't even put down 25 names. But, you know, you could put down 125, really. Yeah, no, I got names. I actually think this falls really close to 25. I thought for sure we'd go Dickie V on him and have 60 in our top 25. Like, he's a top 25, baby. You know what I mean? (laughs) I actually think we're going to stay relatively true to this. Now, I'm sure that we're going to piss a lot of people off and we're going to miss names that we would probably consider. But I think these are all like worthy of discussion, at least some of the other names that I had and feel free to weigh in on them as we go. Super Steve, Steve Cohen. I get like a lifetime achievement deal. First Super Comp World Championship, another forward thinker that I think has been on the innovative side of the sport for 40 years now, I think was at least somewhat instrumental in the development of several of the guys that we listed in the top 10, whether that be Troy and Gary, Edmund and Scotty, on down the line. Like I just think if you look at the cumulative accomplishment over the last 40 years i think cohen ends up somewhere in the top 25 another one from that area that i don't think gets as much national recognition but i think deserves credit and i would probably have them in the top 25 certainly in the discussion is tim butler you talk about versatility everything basically exclusively bracket racing like i don't remember him ever doing any nhra or very little ihra competition but um and didn't ever really get on the road a ton Thankfully, the winter series came to him, and he showed his merit down there for years and years and years. Tim's a, a Florida-based racer, but I think Tim Butler would definitely be in the conversation for top 25. Oh, man, yeah. Every time I get the opportunity to, to announce an event that, that Tim is racing at, it it's a reminder that this guy's a legend. I mean, truly is what he's accomplished in the sport, and still bottom or top very 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 competitive uh, can still get it done with any of them so yeah tim definitely a worthy worthy guy for the list 
And I'll roll through a handful of names here that just appeared on my list that I think would be included in most top 25 discussions. I would include Gary Stinnett in there, five-time NHRA Super Comp World Champion, winner in multiple classes along the NHRA ranks. Hasn't ever really done much bracket racing, but specific to what he does, arguably the best to ever do it. Jeff Strickland. A guy that you and I know is extremely versatile. I guess the world knows. I mean, he's won national championships in both stock and top dragster. You can't really bridge the gap much more than that in NHRA competition. He's had success in every sportsman class. He's had a, a ton of success in the big dollar bracket arena. Doesn't focus on that much anymore, but we know he can do it. Top ball, bottom ball, whatever. And probably... Again, we did this largely based on accomplishment, but if you're just going to talk about like right up there to me with Scotty as the most natural driver I've ever seen. And with Jeff, it just everything looks comfortable. Like he looks like the way you talked about Casey Pesnell and doing donuts on a go-kart at three. Like Strick just looks like he was born inside a race car. Like it's just an extension of him. Nobody does a smoother burnout. Nobody stages better. Like everything about his game just looks from the outside like it comes incredibly easy to him. Yeah, and look, the versatility of a, a guy that wins uh, multiple world championships and, and doubles up in a car that goes, you know, low sixes to half track and gets out of that and goes low sixes to full track, that's pretty <laughs> darn impressive. No question. I would have Tommy Phillips in my top 25. I think that some would argue that because much like I said about Kyle Seipel earlier, never has, has not yet won an NHRA World Championship, although Tommy's come close, heartbreakingly close so many times. I believe it's six second place finishes for him, but like 40 national event wins. And his show never got on the road a ton bracket racing wise, but just knowing where I was from. He didn't mess with that dude at eighth mile bracket race either. I think he's been to two million dollar races. He lost in the semis at both of them. The guy can just get it done. Uh, for me, he would be a top twenty five. Kevin Helms was one I thought digging a little bit deeper because Kevin hasn't raced himself in a couple of years now. But I think it's four NHRA World Championships, three of them in a row with an extra pedal. Pretty impressive, right? I'd have Kevin Helms at least in the conversation for my top twenty five, and then two more that I've got that are. Similar to what I talked about with Justin Lamb earlier, younger guys that have just lit it up over the last, in these both of these cases, probably just the last five years, but that I really think 15 years from now, we have a chance to say is a top five of all time, maybe the best ever. And the two that stand out for the, for me there right now, Johnny Ezell and Nick Hastings. And I yeah. think to, right now today, I'd put them in my top 25 with obviously a ton of upside going forward. Yeah, there's no doubt they're they're both on the fast track to, to anybody's top ten all time when their careers are done. You know, it's given their age matches some of the the tenure, the racing tenure that we have on our list. It's a little bit difficult to obviously from talent level they're capable, but from an accomplishment level they still got some things to accomplish. And so it's been hard to squeeze them in that top 10, but definitely a couple of guys worthy of, uh, of anybody's top 25 list. So, but all in all, uh, again, look, just as you've said, I, I think you can make a case so many different ways. And again, it's really about what's important to you because we've all, and I was guilty for a long time, sit back and watch guys win Wally after Wally and went, I looked at national dragster. <laughs> I would kill those guys. I mean, there's no way any of those guys could race with me in my heyday. Well, what I found out is uh, they give you a quadrajet, 
and they tell you make a time trial today and we'll see you in a day or two and you'll start racing and uh gets there's no rhythm there's no such thing as rhythm on the nhra side like you get on the local level until you get that one day where you get to make three runs and you might can find a rhythm then so it just has become very 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 impressive to me the people that win on that on that series and that scale on a regular basis uh, how good they are at, at reading weather at you know reading changes in the, the track or um getting dialed in on the tree or figuring out what their freaking car is going to run with that uh, little steel thing sitting on top of the intake so so, to your point, when 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 there's a quadrajet involved, or they pick the dial in for you, that definitely increases the level of difficulty. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> that, you know, it's more of a pass to me now than it ever has. One name that we failed to mention, and I'm sure that there are a dozen names that we probably failed to mention. One that sticks out to me that I just didn't make a note for, but definitely um, belongs in this conversation, is Jake Coughlin Jr. We don't think of him necessarily as a sports racer because he's obviously made his name in the pro stock ranks. This is a guy that's won an NHRA Supergrass World Championship. The first year that he won pro stock, first year that he ran pro stock, it was late in the season, and he won pro stock in like October. I think that was the fourth different category he'd won in that year, which I think is still a record. Won in multiple classes. I think he's up to six now different NHRA categories that he's won in and has done it at a high level on the bracket scene for years too, just because there's been so much emphasis on the pro classes, I wouldn't have him in a top 10. He would be in my top 25. And there's no doubt in my mind that if Jag never made the decision to run pro stock, he would be in our top 10 of all time for sportsman racers. Yeah, I agree. Jag definitely one of the, the better talents out there still today. Just again, doesn't get an opportunity to show it on the, the scene that we go to the most, but, or that we talk about the most, but, and Luke, both Brian and Nick Folk have accomplished a ton in racing and, and could be worthy of anybody's top 25, uh, those guys. There's probably uh, a lot of folks you could include on that list. You <laughs> yeah, really probably are. make an argument for Randy and maybe Ron as well. Yeah. Um, and now we're getting into Dickie V territory. The top 25, baby. So, yeah, I don't – I mean, we could <laughs> – we could definitely lengthen this out further. Um, I think we're up to like 30 in our top 25 now, so we'll probably stop. All, all while knowing that without question, we've left out several that many and maybe us, if we sit down and put a list together, might include in our top 25 as well. So this is where it gets fun. This is where we're going to challenge you. Weigh in. What do we get wrong? Who do we miss? Who do we have way too high? Who do we have way too low? Everybody's got an opinion on this. But here's the deal. You can't just say we're idiots. You got to put your list out there. That way everybody can see that you're an idiot too. <laughs> exactly. So don't just tell me like there ain't no way that – where did I have? Uh, there's no way Anthony Bertozzi should be number three. Okay. Well, who are you putting in front of him? Let's go, right? So, yeah, and, and remove remove what you see on the internet today from the thought process. You, you got to go all time. Yeah, right. It's not. This is not a. Who would you like to run tomorrow? Yeah. Don't tell me who would. I who would beat any of them right now. It ain't about that. That's not what we're talking about, right? Chris Barry would be number one. But when you talk lifetime, 
like the lifetime accomplishments of Peter Biondo, of Kenny Underwood, of anybody that we just mentioned, really impressive and I think worthy of at least discussion in the top 25. So sure to spur a lot of debate, a lot of controversy. We're all about the mentions. So tell us what we did right. Tell us what we got wrong. Hit us up Facebook on the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast page. We'll have a thread related to this. And on Twitter, I am at Luke Bogacki. He is at JP11X. Let us know what you think. Yeah, guys. We'll see you when we talk May and next time around. That's right. That's right. Kevin McKenna next week. Million Dollar Race recap the race after the week after that. I got nothing for shout outs. I'll do better next time. We're out of here. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available, subscribe. And you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. Reasons to use BTE tune-up services. Number one, quick turnaround time. You won't be out of commission for half the season while you're waiting on your parts. Number two, unparalleled customer service and responsive communication. Reason number three, all brands of parts are accepted. It's not like they just work on BTE parts. Number four, BTE offers freight shipping discounts. They are located in the shipping capital of the United States near Memphis, Tennessee. And number five, reason to use BTE tune-up services, quality work from knowledgeable technicians helps your system achieve peak performance. Do you want to become a better racer? Are you interested in expanding your knowledge of our sport? If so, thisisbracketracing.com is the place for you. Thisisbracketracing.com houses well over 300 training resources on literally every topic that you could imagine as it pertains to sportsman drag racing. We have trainings dedicated toward improving reaction time, toward uh, sharpening your skills at the finish line, toward increasing your mental game, uh, tech and torque converter, carburetors, you name it, and much, much more. Best of all, on your first visit to thisisbracketracing.com, we award you with one training of your choice for free. Again, that's the best part. It is your choice. So whatever it is that you are interested in and want to focus on, we have a training for you. It's yours for free. To check it out, just go to thisisbracketracing.com and click the Start Here button on the homepage. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors, and we bring in a host of guests 
racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100 plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.